Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. It's always an honor and a schuss to be able to do this program. We would like to share with everyone the number to call up, and that is 783-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions and your comments. The number to text, what's the number? 347-927-8398. So it's 347-927-8398. And again, we look forward to taking questions and comments. This is something that we look forward to. We've got a couple of messages coming in. And let's start with a message that came in. Again, looking forward to callers. That's always the preference that we have. It goes as follows. Thank you so much for your amazing center. It's saving lives now and generations. Well, thank you. And thank you for having such an amazing therapist of Levi Yitzchak Oberlander, who cares and creates change and is taking us through the process with such skill, heart, understanding, patience, and much more. Oh, that's beautiful. And the hotline is literally my lifeline at times. I just feel it's important for people to know that therapy is not a Band-Aid. It's hard work and often takes us to places we might want to deny and yet we can see the fruits of our labor if we're serious and to change and do our homework and so thank you thank you now the question is many times when people say i'm depressed they really mean down or sad can you describe the describe the difference and is it possible to discuss seasonal affective disorder or sad and how to know uh, or if it's possible to prevent some symptoms before they change Let's discuss a little the first positive that they're saying. Baruch Hashem, this person looks like they're coming to us to one of the therapists. His name is Levi Yitzchak Obelander, a fantastic therapist, Baruch Hashem. And yes, they mentioned something that it takes skill, it takes heart, it takes understanding, patience, and so much more. And let's discuss a little bit what that so much more is. I feel they hit it on the nail, and that's going to be some of the responses to the question that they have. And that is the exercise. There is very little, anything in this life of innocence. Do you know anything that someone can be successful without putting in effort or energy? I don't know anyone that can be successful in a field if you don't put in your best and if you're not going to work on that. Now, most of our clients will tell us that they don't have exercises to do. That's true. But we do have them come with positives. We do have them be aware of shifts that are changing in their life. And if they can do it, we don't go to the problems. Because, and we clarify that all the time, that you're paying us money to help you. But you've got to put in an effort. You've got to start noticing. We discussed an issue. Are you noticing it during the week? And it doesn't mean it's getting better. Sometimes creating an awareness will hurt some people because they're now more aware as to how stuck they are or they're more aware that there's a lot of other stuff going on they didn't even notice before. That's true. But that's still an awareness. And sometimes we have an awareness that we feel a little worse before it gets better. But that's the process. We're in the process of moving. We're in the process of growing. We're in the process of being aware. Once we are aware of each of these stuff, now we can start going to the next level. And what is the next level? The next level is about what exercise are you going to do. Sometimes we have to push a person to go a little more beyond the ability they thought that they can do. 
And if, they're, if someone doesn't push them, someone doesn't coach them, they might not get there. We need someone to say, I believe in you. Yes, you can. And most of us don't have it. Or if we have a parent, we don't always want to hear it from our parents. But when you've got someone else, a therapist, telling you, I know you can do it. Yes, you can. Then we see those changes. So absolutely, having someone that's understanding and caring is important, but also the concept about putting in hard work, facing issues, being willing to discuss topics that might be hard. That's very important. And now, let's go address their question. So their question is, what's the difference between depression and someone is sad? And I see we have a caller, so Ms. H, please just hold. I just want to address this question. And then we'll go to Ms. H. So we're just going to take part one. And there's a difference between depression and someone that is down. Down, we all have. That's part of the human condition, Baruch Hashem. However, at the same time, when someone is depressed, there are different levels of depression. There's dysthymia, but I don't want to get too technical. But basic concept of depression is there is no... Um, let's use the word pilot light in the system. So many times people are depressed. They're going through life and there's just no purpose. There's no will. On the outside, they could fake it. Then that's more dysthymia. Then you have the classical depression where the person doesn't want to get out of bed. The person's feeling, what's the purpose? They're doing things that they even like. They're doing their dream. And there's no excitement. That is the general concept of depression. As well as to diagnose depression, it has to be that there aren't environmental issues that are calling it. If someone lost a family member, you're supposed to be down. You are. That's a healthy condition of the brain. You're not allowed to diagnose if that happened. We might be able to diagnose an acute, let's say, for PTSD, post-traumatic. So PTSD goes more for after a month, but you have acute stress disorder, which is within the month. But again, these are normal. You don't diagnose for normal situations. So the world has today made depression and down the same, but they're not. They're very different. They're having the person say, I'm doing things that I like. I'm, I'm seeing my kids. I'm hugging them, and I feel nothing. I'm going to work that I used to love, and now there's just no feelings. And it's not just one area yes and one area no. Depression is a general theme throughout your life. So, yes, if you have a hard time at work, of course you're going to be down or nervous. But then when you're home, you'll be great. When you meet your friends, you'll be in a good mood. Depression is where you are is down. Yes. I think that explains it pretty simple. I think so, too. And I just want to add something about the workout. You know, it's really... If, if you want to achieve, it doesn't matter if it's psychology or physical, you know, you have to work out. People that are weightlifters, you know, they're starting with a five pound and they go up and up. And this is, the, you have to, to give your effort. And sometimes it's pain. And I know a lot of people that had an accident and they broke the bone or something. This, they have to do physical therapy. And it's really painful. But you have to do the effort. Otherwise, you can be crippled all over your life. And yeah. this is, I think, that's exactly the same with what we're doing uh, right now. Yes, very, very true. Work, work. We've got to realize it's a concept that I'm using a lot with a lot of my friends that we're discussing, and that's pretty interesting. It's just simple. We've got to get comfortable 
being uncomfortable. People in Parnassa, people in Shalabai, so your wife said something. Do you have to really get so nervous about it so your kids aren't listening the first time? Parnassa's not coming the way you wanted. You had expectations. Let's start getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Let's start going beyond our comfort zone. That is a goal. So what do you say to about being comfortable being uncomfortable? You know, we said that uh, the difference between the dead fish and life fish is that you swim against the current, and dead fish is with the current. Very well. And basically, that if you if you feel so good, not good. <laughs> That's right. And when people have a hard time doing the exercises in therapy, or in general physical exercises, or going on a diet, welcome to the world of the living. That is normal. Yes. We'll go to uh, Mrs. H. Yes. Miss H, sorry. Miss H, welcome. And also like to share with everyone the number to call up because we'd like to have several people calling. Have you on the queue? And the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And the number to send your text is 347-928-8398, 347-928-8398. And let's go, Mrs. Ms. H. Welcome to the program. Hi. So first of all, I wanted to. It's my first time calling, so I'm a bit nervous. But wow! I first congratulations. Of all, I say, that takes a lot <laughs> of guts so to call up. Thank you so much for the program and your book. It's literally changed my life just by listening to this program. I listen to it basically weekly, and reading the book, the both together have like. And I just tell everyone I meet all about it. I'm like, you've got to listen to this program. It's mind-boggling. It wow. helps you understand personalities. It helps you understand different situations, see what's normal, what's not normal. What, Thank you. It, it's been a massive change. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I had two questions. So first of all, I work in an office environment with loads of other girls. Um, there was two questions about that. First of all, there's this thing in the office everyone just builds for their own hours. Um, I see other people billing for hours that they went there. They weren't even in the office or they were just in the office but not working and stuff. It really bothers me. It makes me really upset. It's basically the same thing. Often I'll see someone doing something wrong and I get so bothered inside me and I hate it. I want to just be able to ignore and that's not my business. That's their concern and I don't want to know about it. But I just, I get so bothered I don't say anything. But like inside me I'm, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I get really upset and what awareness could I have to make myself, like, it's in all areas of my life. When I see someone doing something so wrong, I get so upset. I want to be just like, no, it's not my business. That's their concern, and I don't even care. Ravnissa, what do you say to this? Uh, I really, I didn't, uh, I was on a phone line, sorry. just. Oh, um, sure. So she's saying that she works in a company, and she sees the way people are, let's say, billing when they're not there, and it bothers her tremendously. So when someone does something wrong... It really bothers her. She'd like to sort of move on. Well, first of all, Yishar uh, Koch, because you know, because it's not uh, you know, it's it's very it you mean it means that you are a very conscious person and you know just uh, cannot take <laughs> other other people uh, you know other other stuart, No, it's not even that I'm a conscious person. It's that I get so upset when they're doing it. Even if sometimes I will do it. I mean, of course, I'll never do anything drastic. Like, but I end up getting upset, and then the resentment builds up inside me, and it'll come out in something else entirely. I think I think that right now, right now, it's a little bit. You, you, it sounds very young, and uh, it sounds like uh, uh, you have to a little bit 
to welcome to the real world, you know, and <laughs> understand other people. You know, it's tough. It's very tough, especially people that like you. I would say that uh, uh, in a certain way you have to learn how to 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 behave with this kind of. Uh, you, cannot, you cannot take it to uh, to the arts and cannot take it so much because it will be but it will be affect your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's what I. Mordechai. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Can we realize that what you're just saying, which means what Rabnison just said, this is normal. As you're getting into the world, as things are looking black and white to you, you're raised in an environment. You hear Shiurim and Hashkafa about being honest and being straight. Your family is probably that type of a family. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, you're interacting with people. I'm not even going to halachically kosher, because let's say it was Goyim, that have a different mentality. And now, yeah. part of what? Mm-hmm. And part of it is learning to accept people are certain ways and that you don't fall into their trap. And that's the danger, but at the same time, the healthy part is that when you can see others do things that aren't okay, there is one mind frame of let's run away not being around these people, which is true. But on the other hand, you can't avoid such people. There are always going to be someone who's going to have a different hashkaf or do things that are not that kosher. And the ability to be able to be around them and say, this isn't right, this is not what I do, and might actually even have to shift onto them that they will be different, and they won't do certain things. Right, right. Yeah, I got that. So let me and ask you, what can you was... do? Let's take it to you now, that you're in that environment, you see them do something wrong, and I also want you to know, in the short run, it looks like they're winning. Can you recognize that? In the mm-hmm. short run, it looks like, wow, they're not even there. And they're making money. They're billing for it. But could you see that in the long run, it will destroy their neshama? Someone that does shtick, they don't sleep well at night. And even if they do, and let's say they're not so worried, but then their children learn you could do it, and then the children might need more and will be more risky behaviors. And then before you know it, something might go very wrong by their children. And then they go, why is it happening? And that's the danger of doing behaviors like that. Now, I'm not trying to go away and say that I'm the greatest tzaddik and say that, you know, we haven't done things which we all have done. Let's take a classical example, speeding. Can someone say they've never sped driving a car? No. (laughs) But at the same time, they're speeding 10 above the speed limit in America, which they don't give tickets for 9 above. And most places, even 14 above, they won't give. And then there's something else when you go 25 above, which is reckless and dangerous. Even above is dangerous. But you've got different family members or different places where this is the issue that comes up, where the father or someone can really be doing it really fast, very dangerous. And then the kid acts that way. And then we want to know why it happens. And then you have someone that goes a little above, and then the kids behave or, or follow the instructions. So I want you to realize again, just because, and to everyone listening, the other one looks like they're more successful, looks like they're getting further, just slow down. Look at next generation and sometimes even two generations further down. Where are they? Yeah, I know that. Internally, everything you're saying, I 100% know. 
it's just that I get so I get upset. It's like it bothers me. It's like let's say the phone will be going and I'll be the only one who's picking it up, the only one who's actually, and I get I just get upset because I guess you're just saying that's normal. A, it's normal, but B, now I'm hearing something further. When you get upset, it's why am I working so hard? And yeah. you might choose to not answer the phone. And then let the boss ask, why didn't people answer the phone? We got a request. You go, oh, I went to the bathroom. I go, where were the other ones? I don't know. Ask them. Sometimes this happens many times in business where the conscientious person, let's go ahead and take mm-hmm. it to, especially by girls. Boys, everyone shares notes, and everyone helps the other one cheat. But by girls, there's always one or two girls that they write their notes, and they're so medoctic it should be neat, and then all of a sudden all the girls want to copy their notes. But they always want to copy it two days before a test when this girl wants to study. And then sometimes there are certain girls, I don't use the word chutzpah, but they have the guts to ask the person, can you please drop it over in my house? Or I need you to, I needed those 20 minutes, I can't make copies, so could you go to the copy center while you're dropping it off and make a copy? And now mm-hmm. it's not the time. And sometimes what we need to teach these girls or those that are on top of things is to say, if anyone wants my notes, show with pleasure. You could get it three days before. You yourself could come pick it up, and you have to drop it right off, not bring it to me the next day because I'm studying now. Right. It's, it, what I'm saying is it's hard to get those boundaries set. It's like how much are you meant to cover up for your colleagues and how much are you meant to just let them suffer themselves if they don't I don't way. even know why you have to cover up. It seems like it's upsetting you, like you're answering the phones and you're working so hard. Yeah, because you end up covering up because I don't want them to be upset with me afterwards and say, like, oh, we were out and you didn't cover for us. And the answer is that's right. Again, you're, you're at the beginning stages of life where you're still wanting everything to be so simple and doing everything, and you will learn eventually the healthy balance which is you could tell with the greatest of pleasures, you guys could do whatever you want, but you can't include me. So figure it out without me covering. Right. Right, I get that, yeah. And the other question I had was um, about, I've got a really close, I'm just going to call it a friend. Um, To me, she looks like completely, like not healthily obsessed with food. Like, not normal. Like, if she sees someone eating, she'll grab it out of their hand. And we're talking about an adult here. And eat, and in all, it comes out in many areas of life, and I spend a lot of time with her. And it's a proper bother, it, it bothers me when I'm with her that she's like that. And a few times I've tried to say to her, you know, this is not normal. Like, most other adults can see food and not necessarily eat it or whatever the situation is. And she just doesn't seem to get it. Is there any way I can explain it to her that maybe it's not normal and she used to maybe go and ask advice or something, because I know that she's definitely disturbed about stuff, but as a friend, it's really hard to always be like, you know, you're acting normal when she's clearly definitely not acting regular. Why do you need to say the words? Why do you need to go down that subject? Because I'm with her a lot of the time, and it's really, really hard. It's like, right. it comes out all over, we'll go to, to any public affair, and she's just there doing it. I've, I've just had that where a couple of good friends, I wanted to bring something up. I run a group. I don't want to go into it, but I run a certain group for Chesed. I'm doing it for five years. So someone told me, oh, I want this person to join the group. I said, the group's supposed to go an hour. We go three hours. We can't take someone more. So we can't do more time. So now this person gives me advice. So cut down their time, but take my, my friend in. 
you're giving me advice, so I really appreciate but the group has chosen not to take anyone else in. So I've got the next advice, so why don't you uh, donate, volunteer another evening of the month to help someone? These are all great ideas, but the concept when you want to go into this and this, I said, I don't even want to hear it. We're talking now as a friend. This is already therapy. What I should do, what I should do, we're not going into my volunteer time. I wonder right, if I you're that, able to say... Hmm? If I as a if I had such an issue, I'd expect a friend to make me aware and to. Really? Why? I would. I wouldn't want my friends, friends to make me aware. Help each other. Help each other and make each other aware are two different things. I I I drove home today and I had a friend with me in the car and I said, look, I want to discuss some things that I got on my mind. He said, sure, but I want to discuss what I have on my mind. Yeah, <laughs> friendship is. I don't know if I want someone to tell me of awareness of problems that I have. I don't know if I want that. Friendship is meant to be friends. If there's also an issue, you could bring that up. How much of your time is friendship? How much is trying to be a therapist? Teenage girls confuse that, by the way. No, I'm really not like that. Completely, that's not my personality. I'm not like that, and I've never been like that. And it's just since I've got to know her, it's, it's, it bothers me. It's like I see her in so much pain. And I see her doing things that aren't called normal, and then I see her in the pain that people, that she says that people think I'm weird, and then I'm like, I want to just say it, but I so don't why know would how to you, say so it. let me ask me, why would you just now? I want to say, why would you have a friend that's acting weird and saying weird things, and you feel you need to reassure her? I don't have a problem having friends like that. I don't mind if you have friends like that. I'm not even saying not to have friends like that. What I want to hear is, do you have healthy interactions with her? Is it a friendship? You're using terminologies I need to define. So far, it doesn't sound like there's a friendship going on. It sounds like there's a therapy session going on, and you spend a no, lot of time with no. her. There's a lot of friendship going on. There's Good. Tell me some take. things that are friendship going on with you and her. Let me hear some healthy stuff. We spend time together. We will go, we'll go, to, a gym, we'll go to the gym together every night. We spend a now, lot of time together. What do you talk together. about when you're going to the gym or things like that? Are you talking about her problems? No, not at all. We're just having normal conversation, what I have with anyone. Okay, great. So now if she says, people don't like me or I do things weird, then why can't you just tell her, yeah? If 80% of your relationship's healthy, yeah, why can't you say? You know something, you do something very weird. You think it's better to bring it up, or now you're just saying it's better to ignore it? I assumed that 80% of your conversations are problems. No, they're not. Right, it's now I'm hearing 80% the problems is under the carpet, we pretend they don't exist, and we continue the friendship. Okay. Now, what does she want? I Would she know. want you to tell her that she's got problems where she's wrong? I guess on one hand she would, and on one hand she would prefer that I wouldn't. All right. So I had a friend that told me very simple, made very clear our rules. If there's ever enough bad news to tell me, make sure you are not the one to tell it to me. And unfortunately, there once was bad news, and the wife called me up. I said, nope. He asked me not to be that dear of news. You'll have to find someone else. Goes, but you know him so well. I go, nope. He asked me not to do that. Let the person ask you. Ask them. If I see something in a relationship that should be changed, do you want me to change it? Yes or no? Rabnissa, what do you say to this? 
a friend. They have a very healthy friendship. But sometimes it's not such a healthy place. Like the girl does something that's a little weird or off, and she wants to know why people sometimes have an issue with her. I think that, you know, as a friend, I would uh, always taking, uh, talking the straight, you know, forward, you know. We always really like to talk straight. I <laughs> just with telling the guys, the, the guys, what's wrong with, uh, with this. And it's, uh, it, I think it's, uh, it's very important in, the, in our, uh, you know, life, you know, lifestyle that, uh, musar, you know, basically love you or the, the critics, that's, it's a build, it's a cold, uh, uh, building uh, critics, you know what do you call it? Um, that's uh, the right word. I just I'm trying. Uh, to yeah, um, constructive Construct- criticism. Yeah, exactly. Construction, uh, cre- you know. So this constructive this- is where you're building criticism. Yes, yes. It's criticizing for construction on a constructive manner. And this is very important to be straight with, uh, my, especially a fr- good friend. And you see right. something. Wrong. And at the same time, the question is. But your friend is saying she might not want to hear it. Uh, it's, so, okay. <laughs> this is an air problem because I think that as, as a good friend, and you start, you know, the conversation, you know, I really love you. I really like you, what you're doing. You know, we, we are good friends. But I have something to say to you that it seems like to me very weird. Uh, I know you're, you're, you, can, you can overcome all about this uh, situation and you can take a help. This is my approach, I would say. You know, go go with a good term in the beginning and just try to, to give the, the constructive uh, good decision. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, thank you okay. very much. Well, You're welcome. Okay, so I want to say that our phone lines is already now full and we're going to Mr. A. Mr. A, welcome okay. to the ear. You're on with Mordechai and Arab Nissan. Very much for taking the call. Our pleasure. Okay, so Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, I have a couple of questions. Number one, why are talented people afraid to fail? Why are they, you know, apprehensive of, of doing oh, the right, Let's stop. A I don't know if I would use the word talented people. They might have it more. But I think it's a human, natural human instinct. We're afraid to fail. But why? But but to the point where you just don't want to try it, and if you let's say you get anxious over it, and you're like, "Hey, forget about it. Let's just throw this away." That, so most people again, let's. Uh, this is again most people. I just want you to realize that. Most of the world, most people that are following certain paths, and everyone can think in their areas where they should grow. I know in my area where I could think of where I'm afraid to fail. I know I had one recently. I jumped into it, but I acknowledge I was afraid to fail. Let me ask you, is there something that you know you should be doing or your instincts tell you to do it, but you're afraid you won't, it won't work out? Oh, for sure. Okay, so... What's your question then about others? I'm saying, I understand them. I understand why we still have to do it. We can understand why, but that's the reason. So let's just understand, every human being, as we're being raised, as we get older, we're more aware, we have the ability to see the repercussions. We have the ability to see what happens if we make a mistake. Now... 
there's the famous question. Do you think Hashem gave us a talented and powerful brain to lock us up? That we shouldn't do things? And the most of what they do is imagine a little kid to walk, stands up and falls, stands up and falls like a thousand times. Finally, they're standing. Then they take the first step, and then they fall. Then they take again the step. They fall another thousand times. So I, I sort of heard it from several people, but the Moshe goes as follows, that when we're older, Hashem gives us so much knowledge and understanding, and when we're little kids, if we would have this knowledge and understanding, this fear of failure, we, none of us would be walking, because we've fallen so many times. So wow. what do you say to this so far? True. I, 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 li- I like that, uh, I like that, Moshe. Excellent. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's good. That's right. So that's what happens to people, just for you to understand. It is normal for a healthy human being to have the ability, that's what maturity in adult is, where we have the ability to see the outcomes of our behaviors and to see the dangers and the pain. That is a positive step. The downside is if someone only sees that, and if they're stuck on that, they're not able to see the positive, they're not able to move on, that is the danger. And and how do you get and how do you correct that danger or Well it depends how severe they have it. Sometimes a Rebbe, a coach, a parent can help. Sometimes you need something a lot stronger. Sometimes you need a therapist for people that are very afraid. So it depends. But just understand that it's still a normal condition. I hear that. Now, if I can, let me ask you another question. Wait, you know, just before you go there, let's... One I second. want to address your question one step further. Now, when you ask why does it smart people are afraid, here is where I'd add on that a smart person has more wisdom. They can see more places where they will fall. And therefore, they might be more afraid. Right. Yeah, very true. Excellent. So it's a healthy, normal process. That's how it should be. Ravnus, what do you say to this? I think that uh, without fear, we cannot achieve to nothing, basically. And uh, one of the reasons that we have the adrenaline is just to pump up and doing um, things that we are normally not doing. But in the army, uh, when you go to the army, one of the lessons that uh, if you have, uh, I would say, a companion or a buddy with you together and is a fearless, it's most dangerous stuff in the life. You know, basically, uh, you can do so, so many things that you don't want to do it. That if you don't have a fear, you're basically like, uh, I would say, robot or something that you don't have nothing to do with with a human. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to understand what is fear about it and why it's co- where it's come from. And I understand, you know, I, I don't understand. I, I, this young uh, question, uh, the young man, uh, what he's asking question, he, I don't think he's talking about the fear of really like physically. It's really about psychology, you know, something that's uh, basically about fear of failing, uh, you know, test, failing, uh, uh, doing business. And this something that can paralyze you uh, when you're doing. And this is what they call perfectionism. And we see it every day, you know, how many shows we talk about it, that yeah. people fear to do an act because they afraid to or not succeed, I would say. Not today, or don't get, don't get 100 in the test. 
and they fear to 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 go to this you know that's right this, this something that they have to realize where it come from this fear come from sometimes it's pressure from the parents parents of uh, pressure from the school oh we need to get also always hundred get uh, to be on the top of the class I am you are the number one and I don't I don't like the question about smart people or not smart people because that that's You know, it's it's side side question about smart or not smart. I would say that uh, it's sometimes in our society here we have so much pressure on the individual to be a Metsuyan, perfect, and therefore many of us falling and not don't know how to start. You know, I remember myself when we started the radio. If I had to start like the perfect, like everybody told me, you know, just, oh, you have to, you need all this equipment, you need all this microphone, you need all this computers, programming and stuff like this. We'd never do something. We'd never, you know, just let's go and swim. You, you, you want to teach, to teach somebody to swim, throw into the water. Yeah, with instruction. Because it cannot, it cannot be let the fear to be paralyzed, you know. That the uh, the only things that I I don't remember who said it uh, you know just about the fear that uh, you have to know why what is come from. That's right, and that's what we do many times in therapy. You hit it on the nail. Yeah, wow. That that you know that's that, that's that's very very true, and that really you know that that that's comforting you know in a way because. You know, it's it's that it's, it's you know you know some part like where it stems from. You know, like the 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 reason like why you do it and what's what do it and like sometimes you you could also you can get sight. Uh, what you call you could you could not see the peripherals, right? If you get uh, if you get totally blind, it, it, you got essentially you got blinded from this if you totally right. like. Lockheaded thinking, and you know that it's not, you know, it's not so bad. You know, no one's gonna hold you like class or show me. You know, no one's gonna put like the, the you know, the the example, the gun to the head or whatever. And and that, but that's Thank and, you. and and that's the way people, you know, you're welcome. That's the way people, you know, move on in life. And I really thank you for that. And and you know what, it's new insight and. Excellent. I, I take the uh, I take the advice and it's a shame going forward. Thank you. Excellent. Great, thank you. And again for those who like to call the number 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Okay. So uh Modechai, we'll go yeah. to uh Miss T and yeah. you know the phone line is really jump. Wow. So Bauch Hashem. Bauch Hashem. Miss T. Miss T, you're on with yeah, Mordecai Nerv Nissen. Hi, welcome. Yeah. Okay, thank you. First of all, thanks a lot for your line. I really uh, enjoy it, and I really get a lot of uh, an awareness, you know. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It means a lot to me. Okay, so I have a question. Um, I know you usually like to hear the background before. So Actually, I, I like the I'll question first. That. I appreciate it. Thank you. You like the question yeah. first? Yeah, give me the question first. Um, I think actually in this situation, I think it would be better if I first say, because the question is not very clear. Try it. Okay. Try it. So, okay, so basically there's this person that I know that whenever I meet this person, she'll say hi and all, and like right away she'll start like interrogating me. 
she'll start asking me, like, oh, she'll just go on and on. She'll ask question after question. Good. And what would so be basically, the question? My, what? Good, yeah. Okay, so well, my we question all know is like this. such people. Yeah, first of all, I'm wondering where it's coming from, this need to have to ask and ask and ask and have to hear about that person like it's nosy without offering anything about herself. So there's a lot of places. I usually don't do well guessing where others are coming from. We can guess. We can take five guesses, but we won't know because everyone is somewhere else. Should I give you some questions that you would ask? No, no, it doesn't matter. We don't know another person's motivation. Let's go several guesses. Notice the word guess. I'm not even assuming to know why. Guess, number one is, that's where her family, that's how they are. Guess number two, they might have something as people like calling today FOMO, fear of missing out. So she knows everything about herself, but she doesn't know about you. Number three, maybe she is the most curious person, and she's really curious what's going on in other people's lives. Guess number four, she's afraid that you will ask her about her life, so she has already learned that the best way to address it is to always be on the attack. There's a saying, the best defense is a good offense. The best way of protecting yourself is if the other person is always busy trying sort of like to protect themselves, which means that if they're always asking you questions, it means you don't get to ask them back. So now they're safe. These are all guesses. Now, if you would ask me about yourself, those are questions we like addressing. We like when people ask about themselves, and we try to figure out other people. We just take guesses. Okay. All right? So these are guesses. Right. Now, what about, I'm just curious if this would be another reason maybe. She has, like, a fear that other people are, like, doing better than her. She wants to hear, like, what's going on by you just to compare, like, am I better, am I where am I? Up that to, is like, another good her? guess. Excellent. Okay. That is another guess. Now, Notice I didn't say yes. We're saying it's a guess. Right. We don't know That's until we ask her. And even when we ask her, we want to know if she's honest with herself that she'll be able to recognize it. Right. Yeah. So now, now I'm just wondering. I'll tell you what kind of technique I've. I just thought it might work, and I tried it, and it, it worked in a way. But I'm curious if there's any better techniques. So I'll tell you what I did. So once I was by a wedding once, and I met her, and she starts, she says, hi, how are you? And I started asking, so where are you? What are you doing these days? Uh, she asked like a thousand questions. So I was like, I asked her back a question. I said, so what are you doing these days? Let's say whatever kind of question she asked me, I asked her back. And like I stopped that whole flow of like just asking and asking and asking. And she suddenly like stopped for a second. And she was like, she answered me a quick answer. And like, I think either she like moved on to the next topic or she moved on to the next kid because I was really boring, because I stopped her. That's right. That's excellent. There are many ways of dealing with them, but it's not always easy, because sometimes they might attack. Sometimes they'll go, why aren't you answering my question? Mm, I don't think that's the case. That's what I'm saying. You see, you're asking me to guess. That's not what, we, what I enjoy doing that much. Mm-hmm. You know, not Hashem that I'm saying there's anything wrong, just saying, like, this is the guessing stuff. Right. So I could tell you that the way you deal with them is one of the ways that you've done. You shift it right back to them, yes. That's definitely one of the options, one of the ways that you deal with it. Another way that you deal with it is you sometimes tell them, you know, I notice all these questions. It's not a conversation. Like you sort of mentioned that. 
or you do similar to that, wow, I told you like say, like you did with them, like sort of like she asks you a question, like what did you do today? Oh, I went out to the store. She goes, oh, and what did you buy? You go, hold on, I just asked you, I answered your question. Could you tell me where you went today? So she realizes also after a while, for every question she asks you, you're going to ask her, that also makes a shift. Right. I sort of have to stop her mid-sentence if I do that, but I guess... No, no, you don't have to stop it. Since she could then ask you, okay, so what did you buy? And you go, hold on, we're not there yet at what I bought. Let me hear about your day. Where did you go today? You don't have to stop her because when she's going to stop talking, waiting for you to answer, you can go back to the previous question. Mm-hmm. What about, I'm just curious, what happens if I would ask her? I would be like very upright and I would say, I'm just wondering, why do you, why do you always ask me whenever I meet you right away? Why are you always asking me so many questions? Would she be, like, insulted? Is it not the right thing to do? Now we're again taking a guess. How should I know what her response is going to be? Some people could respond one way. Some people could respond another. We can take guesses. So it's funny that those that are less experienced know what other people are going to do. And one of the ways you could tell if someone's a more experienced therapist or anything in life is in, in take construction. If someone asks her, I want to build a three-story house, how long will it take? Right. He's an expert in his field. And he will know not to guarantee or say certain things. Right. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. I appreciate it. It's so brave of you to call up. And it's a great awareness for those listening that you ask many questions. Look at what happens to someone when you do that to them. They don't enjoy the conversation. It's not a friendship conversation. Right. I like that awareness. I'm saying the way you're doing it the other way around. Like, just think about yourself. Like the way. You That's know, right. How would you people. feel if someone asks you questions all the time? Right. Yeah. I think next time that you'll see her, just attack her with question. Yeah, that's also. <laughs> just attack her. How are we doing? Where have you been? What do you bought today? And and this, believe me, the next conversation won't be like regular. I think she won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but be aware that the way you handled her is excellent. It is great to start being aware of yourself, being aware of what you want, being aware that when people ask questions that you don't have to answer the questions, being aware that even if you did answer it, you can think and plan for the future. Right. How will I deal with it next time? Right. Yeah, anyway, thank you. thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay, we'll go to... Uh we have a lot, Miss, Miss, Miss or Mrs. R. Let me see. Let's go, Mrs. R. Welcome to the program. You're on with Mordechai Nerv Nissen. Hi, is that me? Yes. Yep. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I really want to thank you. I listen to your recorded shows, and sometimes I go all the way back to the beginning as much as I can, and sometimes just rehearing them. Um, there is so much information on your programs that, I almost feel like I've been to therapy many, many, many times. And uh, I, I, really... I would like to validate what you're sharing. Someone called our office. They wanted to come to us. And we have like a therapist that screens the calls. And the therapist tells me, we've gotten such quality people calling up. They're <laughs> listening for a while. 
They're really mm-hmm. educated. Yeah. It's not it like, hey, they, I'm in trouble, help me. Like, what's the issue? They're able to answer. Is it just you? Is it others involved? Like, they're answering questions almost like professionals, and right. it was just beautiful. I took it as a tremendous compliment from the people, from those that are listening. Yes, it really is. I actually had this kind of conversation with someone who is in a very unfortunate um, situation, and they're in therapy for many years for dealing with it. And uh, when I said something to her, she said, how do you know that? That's like somebody who would be in therapy for a long time. Like, How do you know that, what you just said? And I was quiet because I wasn't sure how I knew it. I said, you know, it must be from... Mr. Weinberger's shows because there's nowhere else I would know it from, <laughs> or your book, or her, somewhere. And with her, we work together as a great team, and look definitely. at the information that we're giving. Yes, it's, it's out definitely there. a bracha, and it's it's free, and it's awareness that um, sometimes people who wouldn't need to go to therapy but just need the awareness to do things in their life um, that they wouldn't have the courage to do, and it's not necessarily that they have to go to therapy. It's That's just right. to know different instances or different situations which are fixable with different information it's really it's tremendous i just have to say that because i'm i'm a very long time listener and Thank um, you. i feel like i've gained a tremendous amount now so i'm wondering if you can help me out um i've heard the term narcissist is that a diagnosis or is that just a term of a of a type of person that is a diagnosable disorder. A diagnosable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would you could you tell me what is there a terminology you can explain what it means to be a, if someone's sure. a narcissist, what traits they would have? Yep. I'll read to you the actual diagnosis from the DSM five. And let me go find it. There are you need like six out of nine for a diagnosis for a diagnostic level. Let mm-hmm. me just see this if I find it. And here's where people hear it. They'll go, "Oh, I didn't realize you need a lot of them. You don't need, but you need a lot of them, a large part." Uh-huh. I got it, but I want to actually. T- what? Yeah. So narcissist is under the personality disorder Masechta. That means that there are three clusters of personalities, three different types. There's like the first one of antisocial, schizoid, those that are violent, those that look to hurt others on purpose. That is one level. Mm -hmm. Cluster B is where this comes in, which is you've got more about borderline, narcissism, this is all over here in cluster B. And then you've got in the next cluster in the third group is avoidant personality, OCPD, dependent personality, and things like that. So I have right now in front of me the criteria for narcissism. And you need to have, again, please don't diagnose on this because I'm leaving out. I am excluding other stuff that therapists that we need to identify, and if those are there, then we don't diagnose narcissism. So I don't want anyone to think you can diagnose, just to give an idea of what we look for. So there's got to be these issues that we're talking about, not by one person, means not when they interact with one person, and not Mm -hmm. with it's just at a certain time. This has to be pervasive, pervasive patterns. It's got to be a pattern over and over this concept. So the main concepts are grandiose, they usually think large beyond. They need a tremendous amount of attention. 
they do not feel when others are having pain. It's always about them. And this happens already from early adulthood, like from 18 and up, not as someone else in 40 years old, they develop it. So let's go through the nine levels, just to get an idea. Number one has a grandiose sense of self-importance. So they start exaggerating their achievements, their talents. They expect to be recognized by people as superior. And many times they don't even have much of what they're doing. In first grade, they got hundreds that are busy going on how the Rebbe said that they're smart. The second one is they're preoccupied with fantasies of limited success, power, brilliance, beauty, and things like that. So they're busy with always extremes. The wealthiest person, the prettiest person, the one that has the most power, they're very busy with that. The third level is that they believe that they are special and they're unique, and most people don't understand them. They should only be speaking or interacting with people on that high level. The, third, the fourth one is they require excessive admi uh, admiration. You always have to give them compliments and compliments. You're, not, you're never done. The fifth one is they have a sense of entitlement, unreasonably. In Yiddish, they have that saying, I deserve. And why do you deserve? I deserve. The sixth is, is interpersonally exploitive. They usually take advantage. People that are narcissism have, let's say you have it in a husband, he doesn't work, he makes the wife work, and then he's going to be on top of how the wife spent the money and what she did and how dare she do this, and he'll take advantage. There's no understanding. They'll exploit others. People are weak. They'll, make them they'll take advantage of them. They'll tell them, you have to drive me, you have to learn with me, you have to do this, you have to do that for me. Even if they do nothing in return, they will exploit the other person. Seven is a lack of empathy. They won't recognize or identify the other person has needs or feelings. Eight is often envious of others and believes that others are envious of them. And nine is arrogant, haughty, a balgaiva, oh, that type of attitude. What do you hear in okay. this? Is um, this matching the person that you're thinking of or well, not? Well, I'm wondering... Is are people born narcissists, or they do become That's a whole new subject. So first let me ask you, what does this sound to the person that you're thinking of? It's, okay, so the the thing that I'm thinking of is that they they got a pretty high mark, but not at such extreme levels. For example, um, there's grandiosity, there's arrogance, there's manipulating people, there's no empathy, there's talk of self, like very, and, and you know, put down people in front of and always in a very nice way. And I'm very confused because this person does a lot for people, but there's no emotional attachment. And that's what um, sort of triggered my thinking. I was like, oh, something's wrong. Right. They do, they do, they do, but there's absolutely no feeling of love or caring in the doing. Mm -hmm. And all, and I sort of was putting this person on a pedestal up until a few, a little while ago. I looked up to them, I respected them, I asked their advice, um, and all of a sudden one day it hit me that something was wrong, and I, I didn't know what. And somebody mentioned narcissism, and this person does have narcissistic Tendency. family members also, oh. and I was just wondering if that's possible, if, they, if a parent of this person has narcissistic tendencies, and if sure. another sibling also does. Sure, does this is, remember, sense? a lot of children are raised 
by environment. Most of us, we learn from an environment. So if a parent is that way, then that's mm-hmm. how you're taught to speak. That's how you're taught to think. Everything that we are taught, most of the information, the solid foundations are from our family. So doing for other people, but having no emotional attachment to it, and it's more about how beautifully I can do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what sort of made me think like, oh, this has nothing to do with the person receiving from her. It has to do with herself being the best giver and that's the danger Does that makes sense yes right so yeah. i when i i i have struggled with sort of emotionally not feeling comfortable um and wondering what was wrong with me because i i was i guess i was expecting empathy right and there was and there was none so i guess at, when i was listening to your show for a certain amount of time it's been a couple of years i think it's about four years um, wow. And let's what say about two cool. years ago, I realized that there's, I'm expecting emotional reaction or um, empathy, and there isn't any. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I realized that there should be, and it's not with me. So I got very confused. I wasn't sure. And then I got uncomfortable taking from this person. Yes, because they're taking is because me they're giving is, is many times adding taking. to the... Right. It's sort of like feeding that um, narcissism, is that that's the way I was thinking about it. That's right. So I was just, I didn't know if it was, because it's not as extreme as you were reading, but maybe it's not coming out as extreme because if Well, who said it's extreme? It might not be extreme. It uh might be a low level. It might be they're having the traits. They're hovering over the idea. Not mm-hmm. always do we have to diagnose everyone. Right. I'm not I'm saying I just other, not always to, have to right. go into diagnosis, but they could go into many other areas. I guess I wanted to know more for my own protection. I, I felt I needed to take a step back and say this is not a person that I can share safely with anymore. That's, that's right. That's my reaction. That's the way I felt. But so I, I, I was, have I many just, times where people do want to offer me favors, and I know they are not offering to give. They are offering a little bit to give, but their taking will be so much more. And that's something we need to realize, that there are people like that, not necessarily are bad, but right. they don't know how to ask or they don't want to pay or they feel that they deserve certain things. And that's sometimes that, you know, people, not just me, everyone, there's sometimes people who want things, and we need to find that balance. And I, but I don't have to be the one to give it, in, specifically in a case where I thought it's a give-and-take relationship, and then I realized it's not. That's right. So me giving, me taking would be giving in a very unhealthy way. That's the way I felt. Yes. Meaning, if I, let's say, for example, if I would uh, allow somebody to make me a birthday party because I thought that they cared about me, let's say she would say to me, can I throw you a birthday bash? I'm just making up an example. Yeah. Um, and if I thought the person really cared about me, that would be lovely. But if it was somebody who was using it to feed their need to be grandiose and to um, to give in a grand way that they would get the attention for, then it would be a very it would not be a, a caring notion, um, a caring 
That's offer right. at all. So we have that again. We have people that offer to help us. Okay. Mm-hmm. But at times they're doing it in a way that we don't feel is really healthy. And is it just uh, just to protect oneself? Is it just that you're not supposed to share emotionally with these people? Like, is well, there again, a we don't know if they're diagnosed, but instead of saying the word diagnosed of their personality disorder or not, narcissist or not, let, let me shift the question to you. Do you want to share with someone that they will offer you help for their sake? No. And just be aware, sometimes yes. Sometimes organization and places, they have to take money from someone because they need to continue going, and they need that. And by taking money by some of these people, they will get, they will have some embarrassment or so, some difficulties. That is just the reality of life. I and guess that's if it's you, ne- right, if it's needed on a certain level, then I guess. That's right. So these are all decisions needed. that we make. Right. It has to be made at, a, you know, every time it's a different answer. That's right. Exactly. But it definitely doesn't feel good. It, it's a very no. Um, it feels it's a very terrible. iffy feeling when you're taking from someone who you don't feel is doing it for real reasons. That's that's what made me sit back and say, one second, this doesn't make any sense. All right. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. Me. I get. I just wanted to ask one thing: is possible? So it is a nor. It is a possibility for a narcissist to give to others. But they're really doing it for themselves. That's that was my question. They, they could be of giving course. people on the outside. I, I don't want to be so blunt, but these are people. Many people give tzedakahs, or they're helping mm-hmm. you because they want to manipulate you. They helped you once. Okay. How could you not help me ten times? I helped you. You remember one o'clock at night? I offered to help your kid. Now you have to take my kid ten times. I gave you a ride once. Why can't you give me a ride eight times? So this is many times manipulative mm-hmm. tools that they do. I would say oh, sorry, Jim. Also, it's something when you read when you told the the point in the beginning. It's really like the Misidati Sharim, you know, everything like about the Bal Gava and everything. And I would say that many of them, this narcissism is a, a personal border a borderline personality disorder. Many yeah. of them, and right? They, they, they cross over. Do yes. they cross over a lot? They they just so cross. there is many similarities there. Yes, there's a lot going on where people don't mm-hmm. fit classic narcissism because sometimes they could have the lack of empathy and the needing attention all the time, but they don't have the grandiose idea. And sometimes you can have a borderline which doesn't have the fighting part, but they have the sensitivity part. So that's why they're trying to sort of have like a diagnosis, which you can't bill insurance for, but called like general personality disorder, generalized personality disorder, which is a combination of the... So let's say if you have a borderline and narcissism, they'll meet six or seven out of those, but not in specifically the borderline or narcissism. Yeah. And would, would borderline ever be diagnosed as narcissism by mistake or the other way no, around? No, they're very different. Borderlines aren't talking about how great they are. Borderlines are about how hurt they are, how people aren't uh-huh. helping them, taking care. Borderline uh, okay. is more about their pain, more about their okay. neediness. Narcissism okay. is more how great they are, about how they oh, don't okay. want to do much. Many times borderlines can do a lot. Many times they could cook and clean, and then they will lose it 20 minutes later, or someone will say something, and they'll go in a bad mood. Narcissism mm-hmm. can also be there. are some very, very successful people that are narcissistic because they need that power. So, again, they have to be very wealthy. They have to be working many hours, say, look how great I am. I am the best one there. No one does like me. 
And many narcissists are wealthy because they know that the only way they have their family or friends are because they can manipulate them through finances. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. many financial, many, many successful people can have a diagnosis of narcissism and they're playing around. Oh, you spoke to me today, I'll give you money. You came to the wedding, I'll give you money. You didn't come, now I'm not going to give you. And you have to compliment them and tell them and keep on giving them. That's very much of a narcissistic attitude. Mm -hmm. So a parent, an uncle, an aunt, grandparents are like, wow, I'm so happy you're doing successful. It's not you call me, I like you. You didn't call me, I don't like you. You don't start playing one grandchild against another grandchild or one child against another. That's not how you do it. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. You're welcome. I think, I think Thank the poli you. politics world is full of them. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yes, we noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, we we will go to uh, uh me uh one sec Miss S again Miss S is so many people online, Bo Hashem. Hello. Bo Hashem. Hello? hello? Yes. Yes, hello. Me? Yes, you. Yeah. Yeah, hello. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the line. Um, I wanted to ask a question. Uh, sure. My my family has has been through a bit of a challenging time, and some of us are in therapy. Um, my nine year old, who is like a very solid, sensible, contented child, seems to have taken it the hardest somehow. So um, she is having play and art therapy. Wonderful. And we also and we also got somebody to to take her out weekly, and and we've been treating her a bit more than you know normal. We've been giving her a bit of extra um, in addition to that. And um, the therapist just got in touch with me, and she said that she feels that she's over the trauma, and she can stop. She feels she can stop therapy now, and I feel like she is over the trauma, possibly. But I don't feel like she's ready to actually stop. Um, I'm seeing okay. things in her. I feel like she kind of has shifted, like kind of from from the actual trauma. But she, I don't feel that she's she's actually um, in a in a settled place yet. Um, so what I can see she's like kind of she's constantly looking at her shoulder, very jealous type of behavior. She's being very chutzpahdig. Um, she's testing boundaries all the time. Her attitude is very much like, you can't make me. She's very, very negative, And she's always looking at what she doesn't have and that type of thing. And um, like, it's not only happening. It's like, I know I can see that that kind of parenting I was going to need a bit of brushing up with my skills here because I can see it like the way she's behaving is you know whatever she's been through might have caused caused it but I can see that we need to do a bit of that but she has as well like at school she's also been like this thing it's not only happening at home so that that's what makes me it makes so me feel like shared bigger. symptoms that you share mm -hmm. them with the therapist so the therapist might just see her in the room and she might be changing so much, and she might see that things are done. However, she's not aware of the environment. That's what parents do. You share, this is what your experience is at home. These yes, are the experiences in school. Right. So I did experience the therapist, and um, 
I um, I said I did see Watting, and she was saying that kind of that what happened to her might have actually changed her, and I haven't actually got back the same daughter who who I've had, but. She she does feel like she she is the type. She's an excellent therapist, actually. That she she is. I've used her in the past. So she is the type that she doesn't like. She's very busy, very cold. She doesn't hack, pull it out as long as she can. She's not okay. one of those types, you know. She, so let me ask you, what is your question on. then? Great. Okay. You're so, so clear. So, Seems like you're very clear. No. <laughs> you're very no, clear. Thanks. You just said it. Yeah, so I'll tell you what, because I'm looking at it, okay, so if I've got a different daughter and I do need to brush up my skills, fine, you know. I mean, it, it is humbling and it is the thing that kind of, you know, when we get complacent. Let me ask you, just daughter, the way I am, so please forgive me for this. What is your question? Oh, you always start with, yeah. tell me the question, then the history. Yeah, okay. I need a question. Right, so I'm wondering if, like, kind of, if I, I need to just um, sort of make peace with it and, and say, like, you know, that's it now. I've got a, I've got a new daughter. Or if her baby, because let's say she's also, she Hold seems on, to stop. have a voice. I don't have your question. Are you going too much for me? My <laughs> ADD already lost me. Your question is, what's your question again? Okay, so I'm wondering if at this point it's, it is important to, to, yes, continue with therapy, even though so she's So let me share with you the question. So let me share with you the question see what you'll answer. So there's a daughter that she went through a certain trauma. You feel she needs therapy. You went to therapy. Things are doing much better. But this therapist seems to be very busy. She's saying she's done. But you know that both at home and in school she still holds symptoms. Do you think this woman should stop therapy? Um, I'll say I'm, I'm not I'm not happy with where my child is in it. So I'm wondering if there can still be stuff going on. Good. Or, so now let me ask the question: Yes or no? Does this girl need more therapy? I feel yes. There you go. You got your answer. <laughs> now what's the problem with that? Okay, so the, the therapist does seem to think like she's ready. Okay, so what do you do with one therapist? What do you do if you have a kid that's not feeling well, complaining, and you went to the doctor over and over, what do you do? And they're not finding anything wrong or they're not seeing anything, what do you do? You go for a second opinion. Yeah. All right. Um, can I just ask something else? So can, can it be yeah. that, that over-tension could have caused a bit the, the misbehavior, because like there's suddenly a lot of focus on her. Everything you, you you're asking me, I want you to realize, you're asking me about your daughter. I'm not answering about your daughter. Right. If you're asking about the daughter, I would suggest you go to therapy as well. You I seem to be very therapy. concerned. Like, no, I'm saying I am. I am in therapy. I am. Um, I, am I mean, it, this is not my only issue. There's been a lot around it, so I'm saying. Wow. One it's thing I could it, tell you is kids can can heal much quicker, and sometimes therapists have different opinions and methods in therapy, and we allow each therapist to have their opinion, their method, but you are the parent. It's your kid. You need to have the deciding factor. Even if the therapist says you're done and you don't feel you're done, you continue. You go further. You are the parent. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, can I ask something else as well on yeah, a different note? Yeah, 
Yeah, we just have two people waiting, so we sort of want to take okay. the calls yeah, a little quicker quick, tonight. Okay, quick question. Um, I wanted to know um, about um, schizophrenia. Oh, that's a good um, one. We don't get a lot about this. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know much. I don't know much about it. I just wanted to know if um, it's the kind of thing you can you can outgrow, or is it uh, no. if, if it's caught early on? So it's, once someone no. has it, they would be on medication. No, you cannot. It is. It is just like, unfortunately, it is on the brain. It is the brain. The part of the brain doesn't function. You don't right. heal schizophrenia. No. You can so try it be medication controlling for and only medication, only medication. Right. And the earlier you catch it, the less of a medication is necessary, the less dosages. Not always. Sometimes you'll still have to give everything. But just like everything else, once it is a full-blown attacks and everything, it's a lot harder to handle. Right. And um, is it a is it a thing that is hereditary? Like if if it's in, in I think everything is hereditary. You know, if you're going to have two eyes and a nose and a mouth and things like that, I I, I <laughs> don't like when people go all of a sudden, like especially about the mental health field, that everything's hereditary. I, I personally don't like that because. People are having illnesses today that we didn't have. I've got a friend of mine where there's a certain issue with some of his children and, you know, a genetic factor. Not him or his wife has any of that. However, though together that happens. I don't really like saying genetics about these things. Whoever happens, it happens. We have to dive in not to, and we got to dive in other issues, and we work on it, and we deal with it. That's the point of the awareness. No, I mean, it's... um... Is it a thing to sort of look out for more in, in children if, if um, parents are diagnosed with it? I would, I would ask someone that knows more about genetics. I really don't know about that. But right. let me ask something. Right. If you know the parents are, if the parents have other issues, would you worry about those as well? Like everything else, you look into it like everything else. Right. But okay. the level of genetic factor, I don't know. I, I, I feel this is a very serious question. I would need to be updated and look at the latest reports. I don't know the latest statistics. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks for everything. Ravnissam as well. I really appreciate it. And thank you for calling all the way from England. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And are we going to uh, Miss M? Ms. M, welcome to the program. Hi. Okay, I just have a quick question. Sure. And by the way, thank you for calling. Greatly appreciate it. Everyone that's calling, yes. Yes, thank you for your program. Okay, um, if I want to try to figure out what's like a good career path and, you know, with uh, all the combinations of what I know how to do when... Uh, you know, my working style and everything, like, what's the, like, I feel like I need to discuss it with someone. I have no clue, like, who's good at such a thing and who, like, it's a certain, like, uh, kind of skill to be able to guide someone in such a direction. And just like a regular career coach, I don't know. So it's interesting that here in America, it's the least that I hear about it, which means in Israel, it is extremely common that every high school kid, when they graduate, or most of them, that they take one of these um, exams and they have like a career coach that just told you what they're good at. 
It's extremely common in Eretz Yisrael. They have it also all over. You could do it online. I know, you know, Lasha High Schools have them, but I know people that do them. Those sort of like aptitude tests. But I don't know in particular anyone that does it. You don't know who or anyone that does it. Like, no. what do I do? Like, someone that's good at. I don't know who you are, Wakil. If I could tell you, you know, Google it, look at that. There's a lot. There's the famous Meyer Briggs, Briggs Myers test, which gives no, you personalities. I'm looking. No, a, a test I could take, but someone took, you know. Uh, Those are career coaches. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I never do referrals. But the who are raising is that it's important for us to know that. And one day we'll be able to do that in America, have them access in the from world, because it's very accessible for the from world in Eretz where people oh, yeah. sort of do those testing, the personality testing and different jobs and things that you like doing, and they give you a rough idea. They're good at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, thank you for your show. Thank you so much. And in Israel, yeah. it's very popular. I would say every yeah. every, every um, job or and every. And it's good. Every... It works. People are like. No, no, no. We're people. not turning it into mukabalim now. No, no, no. This oh, is that's the... right. We're just I'm getting an idea. You're good with your hands. You're good with creativity. And there are several jobs. They could give you a list of thirty jobs that are more creative and more hands. But you might be good in a different area too, because that's where you are. Right. I know in my university they used to do it 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It's yeah. Everybody that you know, and they, they define it with uh, letters, uh, like uh, C, creative, and square, S, like squarey, and all this kind of uh, kind of personality, and that's how it's working. And it's also like someone that can get an idea from looking at all your results, and someone can that's get right. an that's idea what they and do. then we'll yeah. be able to discuss it with you. That's really that's the main right. part. Yes. Yeah, that's maybe, what they maybe do. Maybe I can get in touch with someone from there on the phone. That's a good idea. Find out who's someone that does it in Eretz. I, I don't know that. It's not what I know. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I know. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I don't know. I do mm-hmm. not know how mm-hmm. to get through to anyone in Eretz or here in America. You know, Mordechai, I think it's very important. Even, you know, like when you graduate from high school, you know, in Israel, we, sure. have, the, we have the army that basically, I would say, define your uh, skills, you know. You would pass kind of uh, the same test before from 16 years old. We're starting a, a series of tests, and each test is going to define you to a different location, different, you know, uh, part of the army. You know, if your skills, or you go to the navy, or you go to the uh, to the air force, and that's how it's going with um, the and and then it's also give you the the path. To what kind of uh, job you're going to be and stuff like this. Very important. The high school year uh, can can give to the kids this kind of uh, path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. This is really great awareness. Yes. And uh, we go to the last caller, Mrs. R. Mrs. R, welcome to the program. You're on with Mordechai and Harabnissen. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Yes. What's going on? Yes, something wrong. Okay, hello. one second. Yes, hello. Yes. hello, you're on there. I'm on there? Yes, yes. Yep. Okay, so um, first I called in two weeks ago about my need to have thrills and excitement. 
Um, I need to have like swirls and excitement. Yes. And what you explained to me then is like that being peace, that having peace is a lot when you just chill like on the book or whatever, but when you chill, you let your mind relax like, completely, like sitting next to water. Yeah. So, so I began doing it, um, like I'm upstate now, so I began just sitting next to water for a few minutes every day. And like at first it was boring, but then we ended five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and then I thought myself like being like more relaxed and and more enjoying life just by relaxing and not letting my mind fly. Beautiful. Yes, I want to thank you for that. You're so welcome. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so I have more, my niche is more like being more introverted. And I have, um, most of the time, I like spending time like just one or two people. And like, how do I find a balance between like not snobbing people and just taking time for myself and doing what I want? Yeah, that's something very important. So how do I do that? Oh, we, we could create the awareness, how important it is. How to do that is a whole different level. Those are skill sets. So this program, we do more awareness. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you waiting on the line so long and sharing that beautiful example of you sitting by the ocean, by the river, and calming down and having an effect. That's really our goal. Baruch Hashem. Thank you. You're so welcome. Okay. Mordechai. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's late. Baruch Hashem. And, you know, we didn't even touch the text tonight. That's right. We had so many texts. Yeah. And okay, that's Ken Yerbu and Bezar Hashem next week after Tisha B'Av. Amen, Amen, Bezar Hashem. That's right, Bezad. we will do it Sunday. Yeah, Bezar Hashem, we are going to, you know, not to fast, you know, and it will be... Exactly. Soon, happy days. Amen. Thank you very much and good night to all our dear listeners. Thank you all.